Welcome to the Performance Training Academy podcast with me, Ashley Hoff. For episode number nine, I'm talking about the story behind Performance Training Academy and the lessons that I have learned from the health and fitness industry. From starting out as a fitness instructor in 1999 and having no idea what I wanted to do as a career, to becoming a personal trainer and talking about how I built up my personal training business. And finally, I'll be talking about how this all led into creating Performance Training Academy and what it has become today in offering fitness qualifications. I hope you enjoy. Good morning and welcome to podcast number nine. Today's podcast uh, is just me. Um, and I thought it would be um, a good opportunity for those who are interested in Performance Training Academy, who we are, where we've come from. We obviously work alongside many different fitness professionals uh, with extensive knowledge in different fields. Um, and we've had some of those guests on our podcast series already, James Buckingham about nutrition, Louise Prattley, an osteopath, and so much knowledge about the body. Uh, and we, we actually developing a marketing course with Louise as well um, and then we've had our tutor Pete Howard on as well giving some lessons that he's learned along his journey in the health and fitness industry as well as Tom Johnson ex-professional rugby player of Exit Chiefs and England talking about his lessons uh, that he's learned from professional rugby and now how he's bringing that into the health and fitness industry himself um, but one thing I haven't spoken about really is Performance Training Academy who we are, uh, how we've come to be, um, and what our plans are going forwards. So I'm not going to talk and talk about us. Um, I just think for those who are following us now, um, it's it's always good to understand uh, where they've come from and what the journey involves. So um, I founded Performance Training Academy um, in 2009, um, but my journey really started off before that. Um, I became a personal trainer back in 2002, so I'm really sure my age now. Uh, I'm now 40 years old. I'm no longer a personal trainer, but I now run Performance Training Academy. So the story of Performance Training Academy really begins uh, with me as I think I must have been 20, 21. Um, I had no idea what I wanted to do as a career. Um, at college, I, I didn't know if I wanted to go to university. I didn't know what degree I wanted to study or should study to form any sort of profession. So I, I was kind of following, I think, in my parents' footsteps. My parents, they ran a, a restaurant. Um, my, myself and my sister, we worked regularly in this restaurant. My, my family, we had a great time running a restaurant. You know, really, really fond memories for, for all of us. Um, but you know, it turns out I didn't want to do that forever. Uh, as much as I love the, the restaurant industry, um, I know the, the, the shift patterns and the, the stress, uh, and the, the money involved in the whole situation, you know, that's not something that I wanted to go through for the rest of my life. So, you know, I was 21 years old. I was still very young and I had no idea what I wanted to do. I always remember actually a, my careers advisor, at college or even before college, this was just as I was doing my GCSEs, saying to me, what is it you want to do as a career? What do you, what A-levels do you want to do, which then could lead into your university degree? 
And I honestly had no idea whatsoever what I wanted to do. And, and, and that was almost what I said to them. I said, look, well, my parents own a restaurant. I could maybe get in the hospitality industry, I guess. And they're talking about me doing a GMVQ and leisure and tourism. I had no idea. I came out of that careers uh, meeting, uh, no better off. We decided because I was good at sports that I should do a PEA level, which ended up being the 1A level I did, which really benefits my career now, which I'll discuss. Um, so I put myself down for PEA level, um, English A level, and because I was doing okay at English at the time as well with my writing, which again, probably holds in good steed for me now because I love writing articles, blogs, manuals, and et cetera. Um, but the one A level I, t I chose for myself was photography. I, I really like photography. Um, and nowadays I still love photography and I love uh, filmmaking, video making, et cetera. Um, ironically, when I went to start my A levels, I was down for PE and English. Um, but there, there was an administrative error and they hadn't enrolled me onto the photography A-level. And me being a 16-year-old lad, seeing I only have to go to college for 18 hours because I've only got two GCSEs or, or something like that. They're saying, would you like us to put you down for photography now and try and get you enrolled? And I was like, well, no, hang on a minute. I get Mondays off and Fridays off at the minute. Just Let's just keep it to the two. Stupidly, that was my mindset, and that's what I went with. So I never did photography A-level, unfortunately. But I did do PE and I did English. And um, and I guess both of them really, not knowingly at the time, have bode well for me. I now teach personal training i was obviously um a personal trainer for many years where you have to understand the human body energy systems the musculoskeletal system cardiorespiratory so pe had a, had a good benefit for me in that uh and english has obviously done okay for me because i enjoy writing so but they never led on to any degree or anything like that or any profession no profession for me really came out of those a levels as such so I was a bit lost. Um, I left college after completing my A-levels. And then I I was just, I had no idea what I want to do in my life. And, and speaking to a lot of students now, um, I speak to a lot of individuals, whether they're late teens, in their 20s, sometimes in their 30s, where they too have no idea what profession they really want to put all their energy in, what profession they're going to do, which is going to spark a lot of passion for them that's going to get them excited about going to work every day. Uh, I speak to a lot of these individuals myself now, um, and I was one of these individuals. I wasn't excited about the jobs I was doing when I left college. I was, I did a bit of everything. I was a builder's laborer at one stage, which I enjoyed, but again, I didn't want to do forever. Uh, I love doing a bit of building work now. I'd done a lot of DIY in my own house, uh, built my office, built a conservatory, all this sort of stuff. But I didn't want to be a builder forever. Nothing, not nothing wrong with a builder, obviously, but it's not what I personally wanted to do. Uh, one regret I have actually is when I was a builder's labourer, uh, there was talk about me doing a carpentry uh, course, um, which I ended up not doing. Um, and again, in a little bit of regret, I suppose, in, in one way, because I do love carpentry and I'd like to know a bit more about it. Uh, and at 18, 19 years old, it would have been a really good thing for me to get a good trade as a carpenter. But again, I, it's weird how life pans out. I didn't go down that route. I then worked in some very boring administrative roles. Uh, I think one for Southwest Telecoms or something like that. Um, but then I got offered a job in a local gym. 
as uh, again 19 20 year old um oh another good job i did was selling truck parts which again i met some amazing people selling truck parts had a good group of friends but again didn't want to sell truck parts forever and i'll probably touch on that in a second the first thing i did which really sparked my interest in the fitness industry was uh working in the gym and it was a local gym in exmouth where i live and it was called bods bods with a z bods um uh, it was a great little gym, a spit and sawdust sort of gym at the time. Um, we actually had a really good member base back then because there wasn't loads of gyms around. There wasn't Big Fitness First or David Lloyd's around the area. Um, nowadays, obviously, there's loads of gyms, Anytime Fitness, Pure Gym, Snap Fitness, all that sort of stuff. But um, there wasn't many gyms where, it, where I lived in Exmouth, even in Exeter. There are lots of local council-run gyms, and that was it. So Bods was a good place for me to spend a bit of time. Um, I was there to run the gym and also the supplement shop, which they had as well, uh, the people I worked for. Um, and I learned a lot. Um, although it was very, very boring, I would go to work, open the gym for, I think it was eight in the morning. The first few members started coming about half eight, nine after you cleaned up and, and done stuff, got the gym ready for the day. You get a morning rush and then I can clearly even now remember times when I was sat in that gym waiting for the next member to come in and, and sometimes it could be an hour or two hours in this gym with no one in there whatsoever uh, and god time went so slowly really slowly you know you, it's the sort of thing where you've been at work what you think is a few hours you think it must be lunchtime must, must be one o'clock already and you look at the clock and it's only half ten you know so it's one of those sort of jobs um, but I never regret anything, and, and that job it got me meeting a few contacts. And one thing it did do is I can clearly remember earning whatever I was on. It was bare minimum wage at the time. I don't even know what it was now, £7.50. I think probably less than that. No, it's probably less than that. Um, I was on bare minimum, and I'd be sat there. I'd be cleaning the gym. I'll do the odd induction whenever we had one. It wasn't obviously a busy gym, um, and I wasn't even qualified at this point either. Um and a personal trainer used to come in and I, nice guy, come in like first client, nine o'clock in the morning and he would charge 15 pound for the session, I think. And bear in mind, this is back in 99, 2000. It would charge 15 pound for the session. And I'm thinking, God, I got to work four hours or whatever it was to get that same amount of money. And he has had so much more fun than what I've just had, you know, working with a client one-to-one, -one, putting them for a session. There you go. Another one comes in. He's made another 15 quid. He's, he's probably made what I make in a day in about three hours. And, you know, he had the same passion for exercise and health as I did. The only thing different is he had a qualification so he could charge and he could do that. So that was the first time I think I thought about looking into what personal training was. Now, this is 99, 2000. Personal training back then is completely different to what it is now. Um, it wasn't a case of a lot of people weren't personal trainers. I mean, the personal training course that I did, I had to go to London for. I mean, I'm based in Devon. There was no local colleges doing personal training qualifications. There was no independent training providers like ourselves doing these sort of qualifications. I had to go to a big training provider. I had to go up to London for the workshops. There was no online content. There was study at home, but you're just studying from a manual. And it was expensive. I think I paid like six grand for my personal training qualification because that's what it cost back then um 
so that was the first time I thought, right, I'm going to become a personal trainer. I didn't go into it straight away, though. Again, as you can probably see, there's a bit of a theme here. I was definitely unsure about what I wanted to do for a career. I left the gym role without enrolling onto a personal training course and got a job selling truck parts. I think I actually gone back to selling truck parts. I've done it briefly before that as a little stint. And um, selling truck parts, it was uh, it was a good crack. I had a good bunch of people I was working with. Um, but again, finding part numbers for alternators of lorries and uh, batteries or, or wheel drums or whatever it was, doing that every single day never did anything for me. That was the point where, and I think in all the jobs I had in my late teens, early 20s, before I become a personal trainer, I think every job, especially this one though, because it was quite a stressful job as well, um, dealing with people waiting for parts of their lorries. If they didn't get it, then logistically they couldn't do their business, so it was costing them money, blah, blah, blah. Um, it was definitely one of the first jobs I remember having, um, or I can clearly remember having a Sunday evening blues, uh, which is something I talk about to students now, um, where you love the weekend, obviously. You're young, you're going out. Uh, with your friends on a Friday night, Saturday night, Sundays around for just doing whatever the hell you want, going to the beach or whatever it may be. Um, but by about one o'clock on Sunday, you start thinking about, oh, I've got to go work tomorrow. And it dwells in you the whole day, building up to it. And I definitely got the Sunday evening blues. More often than not, Monday morning, the alarm would go off. I had to get up. I had to get into Marsh Bar, into the truck center to start selling truck parts again. And you know, you've got five long days ahead of you before the next weekend. And I was only living for the weekends. And it was painful. And it was a job that I didn't want to do. And I was definitely thinking, how am I going to be doing this for the next 40, 50 years or whatever? So again, that was where I remembered the the passion I had for training people, helping people in the gym environment um, for my job at working in the gym. And that's why I thought, right, let's, let's find a way to do this personal training course, this five and a half, six grand course where I have to travel up to London. Let's find a way to do that because I cannot sell truck parts for the rest of my life. No offense to anyone who sells truck parts, obviously. You know, it's, it was a case, it just wasn't for me. Um, the, the guys I work with, they're a great bunch of guys, uh, as far as I know, I think some of them are still doing it now and they, they enjoy it for them. That's what they want to do, but it wasn't what I wanted to do. And I think when you're doing something that you don't want to do, um, you can't get that out of your head and you can't, you can't pretend to enjoy it. So I wasn't earning a lot. Um, I think I, I, I got promoted from selling truck parts to, um, or, working in a depot center truck parts of being a part sales rep where I would go off um, around Devon and Cornwall and uh, go to visit our customers and try to get them to buy brake drums and all sorts of stuff that they probably don't need, but they're just being polite. So they might buy the old thing from me to keep me happy and to keep me in a job. But um, I didn't dislike that part. Obviously it was quite nice going into the depot in the morning and then being out on the road on a nice sunny day in Devon and Cornwall. It's lovely driving around, but again, didn't want to do it forever. So I was earning about 15 grand a year at this point. Um, I think I started off selling truck parts on about 10 grand a year. Um, but I think I was 15 grand a year. It was okay. You know, I was um, early 20s, um, 20, 21, something like that. And it was an okay job. Um, but I didn't have five and a half, six grand to go and do a personal training course to give me the career that I want. 
my parents didn't have five and a half grand you know they were still had a restaurant to pay and to to work for and they loved running the restaurant but again financially it didn't give them the lifestyle that they deserved personally um so i had to find five and a half six grand and 21 years old what do you do you know so i went to i figured right i need to somehow get this money so i went and i got a bank loan um I just saw that as my investment into my future. Obviously, being 21 years old and borrowing a third of what you earn in a year is, you know, it's not the easiest thing. I wasn't living at home. I think I was renting somewhere at the time. Um, so it wasn't like I had loads of money in my pocket. I was paying rent, paying bills. Um, but I realized if I wanted to become a fitness professional, if I want to be a personal trainer and I wanted to pursue a job that I wanted to do to give me a career that I wanted to do, I had to make the investment. So I went to my bank got approved for the loan, paid for my personal training course, started studying whilst I was still a part sales rep. Um, the course I did was, it was fine. It got me the qualification I needed. I had to do some stuff at home. Um, if any of my, I'm sure my old bosses at, uh, my, at SA Trucks, where I used to work, selling truck parts, aren't listening to this podcast. They may, you, know, you never know, maybe. Um, I used to leave the depot at 10 in the morning. I would go and see a couple of customers and I would sit up in the lay-by and I would do my studies. Um, not the best thing to do when you're trying to be professional, but that's what I did. It was a bit of a stopgap for me in that sense. Um, the home study was fine, learning from a manual. And then when the workshops for that personal training course, and this is going back 18 years, it's 2020 now, and 2002 I did that course. Um, the workshops were based in London. I had to go up for three days at a time. Um, I couldn't afford to go to London and stay overnight in London. And, um, and, and, you know, I had to do that Friday night, Saturday night was, I should have been in London so I could do my course on a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, but I didn't have the money to do that. So what did I do? I had a company car because I was a, a sales rep for a truck parts company. They paid the petrol. So, um, my way and again, it's not fair on the company I work for, obviously, but it was a means to an end for me. It's the only way I could do it, basically. I would wake up at four o'clock on Friday morning, drive up to London, be there for when the course started at, say, like half nine, ten, um, spend all day doing your workshops up in London, and then drive back the same day because, again, I'm not paying for petrol, sleep in my own bed so it doesn't cost me an overnight stay. And I would wake up at four o'clock the next morning and drive up on the Saturday, drive back Saturday night, stay in my own bed and do the same on a Sunday. So as you can see, it wasn't the most logistically sound way to, to do the three days, but I couldn't afford on my 15 grand a year with bills to pay. I couldn't afford to do it any other way. So uh, it was all kind of done at my company at the company's expense of SA Trucks. Bless them. Um, but again, it was a means to an end for me. That's how I got it done. So obviously I got my personal training course complete and the personal training courses back then were completely different. Not the, the fitness first had just opened up in Exeter, I think in the year 2001, something like that. Um, I was a member there first of all. Um, so I was aware of personal trainers by that point, but there was like in the whole gym at fitness first. And for those who live in Exeter know how big a gym it is. And for those who go to fitness first around the country, you know how big they are. I think they're now called DW fitness first. Um, there was four to five personal trainers. So it wasn't a big thing. It was a hard sell, and I'll get onto that in a bit. 
So I got my personal training course. It was a lot about um, how to train people at home. So a lot of the co uh, content on the course was about training someone in the house with a Swiss ball and some resistance bands, and that's about it. We did stuff, obviously, in a gym environment, but not very much. Um, the courses nowadays, the industry itself has changed massively. The personal training role has changed massively as well. But um, I got my personal training qualification in 2002. I was still selling truck parts at that point as well. And then it came to getting into the industry as a personal trainer. So it's 2002. I'm now qualified. And I think towards the end of 2002, I... Um, I was chasing up the the manager at Fitness First in Exeter, um, who's now a good friend of mine called Rob Jones, who was there back in the day. Um, he was health and fitness manager at the time, and he gave me a placement. So I think I was personal number tra uh, personal trainer number five or six at Fitness First, and I worked with some great guys back then. I think there was let me think, Mark Wheeler was there, Craig Prophet, who is now a tutor at Exeter College. He was there. Ian Stone was there. So again, uh, there, there's some guys that are still in the industry now. And I, I obviously became close with uh, because, you know, we had a real good team spirit there back in the day at Fitness First. Um, I couldn't just uh, leave my job as a trucks part sales rep and just go straight into personal training, try to build a business. I was 22, 23 years old. I had no idea about how to build a business. The course I did back then didn't do anything. We did a business and marketing module, I believe, but then it was all about a little bit about how to do a bit of your taxes, uh, business planning. There was nothing really that showed you how to build your business as a personal trainer. 22, 23 years old, I had no idea. Um, again, very cheekily, I was doing it a little bit at the expense of um, SA Trucks, who I, I sold truck parts for. Um, and again, this is how I started building my business. So I got my placement at Fitness First as a personal trainer. Um, as any personal trainer, what you should be doing, whatever gym you go and work at or base your business from, you should be there as much as you possibly can. You should get to know the members. Um, you, you should be there so you're on hand. People can see that you're a personal trainer. Um, so I couldn't afford just to stop my job. So what I used to do is go into my job saying truck parts at eight o'clock in the morning, do my little stint at work. I would leave the the depot at 10 to go out and sell truck parts for the day. My bosses found this out as well. So it's, it's not like that this was ever kept from them for too long. Um, I would then leave the depot. I would drive to fitness first. I would get changed out of my shirt and trousers and shoes and put on my trainers and shorts and PT top. And I would go and work in the gym for about five or six hours. And then I'll go back in later that day to the depot and say, oh, no sales today, boys, or whatever it may be. After obviously put my shirt and trousers back on again, finish working in the depot until about six in the evening. And then I would get changed yet again and go into the gym for the evening. So I was running two jobs, basically. Uh, and there was definitely an overlap. Um, again, it wasn't fair. It wasn't professional on my company of SA Trucks at the time. But again, it was a means to an end. And it didn't go on for long. Let me let me be honest. Like, I remember one day the the area manager pulls me into the office. He says, Ash, um, you left the gym or you left the depot 10 o'clock yesterday. That's right. That's right, Paul. And he says, right. Um, I couldn't help notice. I saw the car, your company car parked in Fitness First car park. 
at half past 10. I'm like, ah, yes. Um, I popped in for a quick coffee before carrying on to see my customers. Right. But your car was still parked in the same car parking space at uh, three o'clock that afternoon. Ah, yes, I, I had another coffee. So you can see I was starting to get a bit found out. Um, and just to draw a line under the truck sales part of my career, uh, selling truck parts, um, the guys I work with are great, um, really lovely people. Um, I do feel bad that I was kind of like shitting on them a little bit by leaving the depot, getting paid by them, and then trying to build my personal training business. Again, it went on for a few weeks. It didn't go on for months and months. But um, I got to a point where, obviously, the professional side got to me a little bit, and I was thinking, I can't come doing this. It's not fair to the company. What am I going to do? So I literally uh, made an appointment with the depot manager, and I said to him, uh, Dave, I think it was called, um, I'm, I need to hand in my resignation. Um, thanks for all your time here, your support, promoting me from a parts technician to a sales rep or this sort of stuff, but this isn't what I want to do. And this is something that I tell some of our students when you know they're, they're struggling with a decision about is, is this the right move for them to go into the health and fitness industry, blah, blah, blah. But I always remember this 40-something-year-old man who, it was a lovely guy, stressed, overweight, red-faced. He used to get shit from all directions. He was the depot manager, trying to manage the whole people of the depot, obviously, but also he was also a salesman as well. So he was getting grief from customers and all this sort of stuff. And I can clearly remember him. And bear in mind, I'm sat there opposite him, 22 years old on 15 grand a year. And he turned to me and he said, Ash, are you sure you want to give up what you got here? Because in 10 years time, you might be sat where I am. You might be depot manager. And that always stuck with me because that, that was a defining moment for me thinking this is, exactly what i do not want to do i without being rude to the guy i don't want to be you in 10 years time obese slightly unhealthy stressed out you know having to deal with all that shit that he had to deal with that that wasn't the life i wanted to lead uh i think he was on 25 grand a year doing it as well so it was a case of that is not something that i want to do so that kind of and, I, and that always stays true with me in my head now i always think this isn't what i want to do for a career um, it's, you should love what you do. And I definitely wasn't loving what I was doing. And, um, so my resignation stood, I left, uh, I didn't have to give much notice because they were quite wise at the fact that I was being a little bit sneaky. Um, we did lift, I left on good terms. I still popped in and saw the guys because again, they were a lovely bunch of people, but that was it. So that was the, the line and the selling truck parts were living. And I was now full on into trying to build my business as a personal trainer. And I'm not going to lie to anyone, you know, with any business, it's not an overnight change. You know, just by being in the gym as much as I could, I didn't get 20 clients straight off the bat, you know. And again, I think in 2002, going into 2003, when I was really throwing myself into it, um, it was a hard sell as a personal trainer back then. You know, a lot of gym members were bear in mind fitness first was only about two or three years old you know these big chain gyms like fitness first david lloyd's wasn't down in exeter at that point these big gyms were not around they were just starting to open up into into the smaller cities um other than that it was council gyms and and small tiny independent gyms which again there wasn't many of those either so the industry was kind of on the up definitely but 
it was a hard sell personal training. You know, we were charging back then 20, 25 pound a session for personal training. Um, there was banners everywhere up in fitness first saying personal training. It's not just for celebrities and all this sort of stuff. Um, because that was the hard sell 25 pound a session back then seemed like a lot of money. Um, but in time, people started to accept that personal training was the way to go. Should I, should a member who doesn't really know what they're doing, just go into gym and just waste their time going on a cross trainer for 40 minutes and then go and do a few crunches on the old ab roll of contraption that was in, in every ab section. Should they waste their time doing that or should they invest in themselves and their health and actually train specifically to get them towards their goal? So that message started to come across a lot, lot more. Um, obviously, personal training had been around before 2002, um, but it was very much deemed to be uh, an expense that you shouldn't have to pay for in terms of it was there for the rich and the wealthy and celebrities and all that sort of stuff. That was what it was stereotypically made out to be. So uh, me and the half a dozen other personal trainers at Fitness First, you know, we were all really pushing to build up our businesses and to try to get rid of that stigma that personal training really is for everyone. And over the years, there was definitely a change. Um, I'd say in the early 2000s, there was definitely a change and it was becoming more and more accepted that people were coming to a gym like a Fitness First and saying, right, I want to join your gym. Uh, what is your personal training setup there? More and more people were becoming more open to the fact that they could um join a gym get a personal trainer and work straight away towards their fitness which is great um and again getting clients it, it didn't happen overnight you have to with any business uh, i'm still putting the effort and the hours in now with my business as a training academy but to build a personal training business i wouldn't have built up a client base to make it a success for me if i did it half-hearted um, I had to be in the gym. I was in the gym at six most mornings. Um, I was there until eight, nine at night. Um, obviously, I'll be in and out a little bit. I'll do my own training. But I had to be seen to be a busy personal trainer. Otherwise, I wouldn't have succeeded. So what did I do? So I, I brought friends involved. I got friends to come in to... Um, I got friends to come in so that I could train them on the gym floor so it looked like I was doing my role as a personal trainer. And the reason I was getting friends to come in and train them on the gym floor for, for nothing, for free, is because, you know, if you think about it, if I was uh, a personal trainer in a gym and the members just saw me sat around drinking coffee, doing the odd training session for myself, they had no idea how I would act or how I would be or how I would deliver as a personal trainer. So I had to be on the gym floor with my personal training top on, obviously, with my friends as clients, charging them nothing um, as almost an advertisement tool. You know, it, when you're working in a big gym, it's almost like a shop window. So you are your brand, you are your product. People can see how good you are by seeing you do your job. If I was just sat around killing time, waiting for a client to, to, to come to me, it wouldn't happen. So there's a bit of advice to anyone. So if you're starting off as a personal trainer and you wanted to build your business and you want to build your client base, you have to be so proactive. You have to put in the hours. You have to get in the gym at six in the morning, leave the gym at nine at night. Did I hate any of that? Not in the, not in the slightest. 
You know, I, I left the job where I was working eight to six Monday to Friday, every other Saturday, hating every single hour I was there, dreading going in the next day. Again, not because I hated the guys, not for any other reason apart from it. It was freaking boring and I didn't want to do it forever. So I threw myself into the opportunity of being a personal trainer. And I thrived on that. You know, I loved being in the gym environment. I loved helping people with their fitness and their health and their nutrition. Um, and if I go back to being 23 in 2003, which is where my client base really started building for me, um, I, I, I didn't know much as a personal trainer. You know, the course I did was very limited. I knew how to train because I came from a background where I used to love training myself. I used to do the typical bodybuilder split of chest days, back days, leg days, shoulder days. Um, I was very much into not bodybuilding, but I, I love to just try and pack on muscle. Um, I, I was always as well, I said I'm now, I guess, a jack of all trades, master of none, where I love lifting weights. I enjoy lifting weights. Nowadays as well, I love running and I love doing distance runs and just taking myself off and running miles upon miles. And, you know, but I'm, I'm never the best runner. I've, I was never the best lifter. I never wanted to get into bodybuilding. I just wanted to be fit, active, healthy. Um, and I think that came across to my clients. And that was all, also my favorite client goal as well. You know, new client, what's your goal? Weight loss, muscle tone, fair enough. You get that all the time. My favorite goal is, well, to be honest, I just want to be a bit fitter, a bit stronger, probably a bit leaner, which comes as a, like, second nature, really. So, um. I think with that aside, it's so important that you really throw yourself into that role of a personal trainer. And, you know, it took me, I'd say about, it took me about a year to get to the point where I felt like I'm not so much made it as a personal trainer, but I think it took me about a year to get to a point where I had a client base who were consistent um, with, with your best clients as a personal trainer. They're the clients that will want to train with you once a week, fine, obviously, you know, more, more so because of financial reasons that once a week is what some people can do. But if you can get those clients who can train twice a week with you, three times a week, obviously it's better for you financially, but also it's better for you as a professional because you can do your job better. You can periodize their training. You can be more specific with their training. You can make sure that the training that they do around your training is more specific to their goal as well. So you can really go all out. And and with those clients, they, you know, the good thing about this whole job, you know, your clients become your mates and you end up enjoying every single session that you have on a Monday to Friday, sometimes if you work on weekends as well, because you like every single one of your clients and they like coming to see you. And, and that's what makes a great tr personal trainer, being personable and having that relationship with your client where they can they look forward to seeing you because they they're waiting for not just that good session as a personal trainer but also that kind of uh that person they can talk to and have support from when they're trying to work towards their goals because let's be fair mindset is a massive thing for any personal training client so it took me about a year i think to get to what i consider to be my best session number per week uh, which was about 25 to 30 sessions of personal training per week. Hang on, I'm just going to have a bit of coffee. So that's a good number because you're not just working um, all out from six in the morning till eight at night, doing back-to-back -back sessions pretty much all day long. You know, that I've done that. You know, I've got to a point in my career where I was doing around 40 sessions of personal training a week 
you're looking at about eight sessions a day. Some some days you you might do ten sessions. And don't get me wrong, financially that's great. And I was in my mid twenties at that point as well, so you had the energy and enthusiasm. Being forty years old now, I don't think I could ever go back to doing ten sessions a day. It's a long day, not in terms of how boring it is, but how much hard work it is. You know, having that motivation that and that intent and professionalism again and again for every single client and it's not just the hour work you're putting in for that session it's the time you put into for the program inside of it as well and the support network after that it's it's hard but it's doable and it's a great living you know I was at that stage I think when I was doing 40 sessions a day uh, a week sorry I was earning like 30 quid a session so that's a good 300 quid a day you know so it's um great money but I wasn't that's the one time I think as a personal trainer and it come a couple years into my career as a personal trainer around 2005, I think 2006 when I had that client base, cause don't, let's be fair, you know, once you start building a client base, it's kind of snowballs a little bit. You start getting better, more word of mouth. So the busy you are, the more business you're attracting because of that, you know, which is frustrating. Cause obviously when you're quiet, you want to have clients, but no one's talking about you or shouting about you cause you've not got as many people to react for you. But I, when I was a, when I was doing about forty sessions a week, you know, it became a little bit like a revolving door, um, and I probably wasn't given the best service as a personal trainer either because I didn't have as much time for the individual clients. Um, there wasn't as much time for programming. There wasn't as much time for my training. So um, I naturally let my business slip back from doing forty sessions a week. Again, financially, it was great, but it's again clients will leave they might move away or they might have what they need from your training and they're happy to go off and do their own or there might be uh, financial circumstances which means they can't do as many sessions a week with you so it will sometimes it will naturally drop off a little bit and I let my business naturally drop off back down to about 30 sessions a week and it probably did that by about 2008 now here's the point where I've been a personal trainer now for five years um love my job love the clients I had Started off slow, got to a point of that 25 magic number sessions per week, went busy up to about 40 sessions per week, let it drop back down to about 30 sessions per week. This is all in Fitness First and Exeter. Um, had a little bit of a itchy feet syndrome at one point, and I was thinking about moving to London to go to the... My, my sister was in London at the time. I was born in London. Um, I actually got offered the job at a fitness first in Covent Garden in London. Um, um, that must have been about 2006, something like that. And I almost took it. And I, again, I don't regret anything really, but the, the, the one thing I was glad about is I never took that job. And the reason I never took it is, you know, what more would I have gained from being in London? I mean, I was mid-20s to be fair. So, you know, living in a big city where you got gigs every weekend, different people and stuff like that as well. My sister again was up there, so it would have been cool. But um, I would have missed, I'm very much an outdoors person. I love the outdoors. And for me, Devon, and for those listening who live in Devon and the Southwest and Cornwall, you'll know exactly what I mean. Having beaches right on your doorstep, having, uh, Dartmoor mountain bike tracks. Uh, I was uh, well into my surfing at the time as well. So like literally once or twice a week, I was going up to North Devon to, to, uh, Putzborough or Saunton or down to Bude or whatever. Um, I couldn't trade that life in for a busy life up in London. Again, where I'd have to build up my client base again as well. So um, so I didn't take my job in London as a personal trainer. I stayed on in, in Exeter doing personal training down here. And again, 
really enjoyed it. Um, loved the clients I had, loved the lifestyle I had. I had time for my own training. It was, it was great fun. Um, and I could have carried on doing that, but I, and I think this is kind of a little bit about my personality. I've always wanted to be an achiever of, of something in, and in some way. And I still don't feel like I've achieved what I want to achieve yet either. So it was probably about 2008. I started thinking about my next step. Um, and I think this is important for anyone listening to this, you know, hopefully so far, God, what are we on now? F- coming up 40 minutes or 40 minutes. So, you know, I've explained, um, that I left a potential career in an industry that I didn't enjoy and having a Sunday evening blues, which I, I hated and doing a job that I didn't really enjoy that much. And I, I tra- changed that. I transitioned into a job that I loved and that gave me that I was, doing something that I had passion for. I loved health. I loved nutrition. I loved training. I loved helping people. So I made that transition and I'm now doing a job where I'm working for myself. I learned how to, to create my own business just by doing it, simply by doing it. Um, and all I did was put time, effort, uh, and energy into that to make it happen. Uh, and that's what I, advice I can give anyone. You know, if you want something to happen, and I know it's very cliche, but if you want something to happen, you just have to go for it and you have to put all your energy into it. And I'll discuss what happens if you don't in a, in, a, in a bit as well. So that was the first good move I made, I guess, for me personally, not for anyone else, but just for me. Um, but again, I, I wanted to achieve something more as much as I love my job as a personal trainer. And for, for the, the people I trained with as well, they were involved in this transition. I thought, well, what can I do next? How can I help others in a different way than what I'm doing now? And I, I, I loved, you know, I, I always thought about getting into teaching well what if I could teach people to be personal trainers so I slowly developed this idea that I could create my own academy and then it took about two years of again hard work jumping through hoops planning um getting approval with an awarding body who is YMCA awards um it took a long process and a lot more effort so in the years between I guess 2008 and 2010 I was working a personal training business of uh, and doing, you know, around 30 sessions a week. Um, So that was going on. And then I was developing the policies and the structure and the syllabuses and the schema works and the resources, et cetera, et cetera, to have a company where I can deliver personal training qualifications. And it was hard work. Again, you hopefully sense a theme here. Any business that you want to achieve in and make a success of takes a little bit of grit and hard work. And that's simply all you got to do. For anyone thinking about becoming a personal trainer and building their business, do it because you'll love it, but you have to put the hard work in to get it. And it's hard work, yeah, but it's enjoyable. Every single moment of since 2002, where I put my energy into any business that I run, yes, it's stressful. Because you're not relying on someone to pay your wage anymore. You're making that wage for yourself, but there are no limits. I could choose whether I earn a thousand pounds a month or three to four thousand pounds a month by putting the work in. Um, and, and that's what drove me as an individual. And I know some people be different, but that's what really, really drove my enthusiasm for it. So I, there was a transition then, I guess, between 2008 into 2009, where 
I went from having my personal training business, which was called, and again, talking about branding, and I help students with this even now. I always try and get our students to think about branding from day one of their their learning and their studies. Um, I went through, um, what was I to start with? I think I was Ash Personal Training, very original. Uh, really thought about that one. Um, and then I went into um, thinking, and this this came from being on a beach in Portugal with my wife, as she is now, uh, girlfriend at the time. And uh, I was thinking, I need a brand. I need a brand name for my business. And this is when I was thinking about having a, uh, an academy as well. So I was Ash Personal Training, very original. And then on the bottom of my surfboard, and the surfboard is now hung up in my office. I don't use that surfboard anymore, anymore because it's knackered. Um, to be fair, it would still be a good board, but it's knackered. And on the back of that board was three words, precision uh, and no performance, precision, and another one off the top of my head I cannot remember. I'll find out for you. Um, not that anyone's interested. And it was performance that clung to me. And, and ironically, uh, another good colleague of mine, James Buckingham, who's done the nutrition um, content for us and who we work with, his company's called uh, PFP. Precision, fitness, and performance. Completely unrelated. It's just how it turned out. But anyway, my company of performance personal training started when I looked on the back of my board, and I think 2008, and I saw that name performance. So you can see where I'm going with this, I hope. Uh, I know I'm starting to waffle a little bit now. It's a coffee kicking in. But um, I became performance personal training in that transition from being a personal trainer into having an academy. And by about 2009, I was approved as a training academy called Performance Personal Training. And by late 2009 into 2010 is when I started running my first courses. And again, the first few years of this academy is as it is now was, again, another learning curve for me in my life. So... In 2010, I did, I think, two courses of level two and level three personal training. Um, my first students was a good friend of mine called Oz, who is a, a personal trainer in Exeter now, who runs his own business. Um, I might do a chat with Oz at one point because he's a lovely guy. Uh, and for a lot of you who follow us, you probably know who Oz is as well. He's a regular at David Lloyd's in Exeter, and he's got his own uh, gym in Southton, one-to-one, I think it's one-to-one fitness, something like that. Um, he was my first student. He's an ex-professional rugby player. Funny story about Oz, lovely guy. He was, and I think I got this right, he was Jason Leonard's understudy. So Jason Leonard was the most capped forward rugby player for England, and Oz was the guy who would have replaced Jason Leonard if Jason Leonard got injured or got dropped or something like that, but he never got injured. He never got dropped. He just kept playing and playing and playing. So Oz never got his England senior level England anyway, professional rugby career up and running. He played England under 21s, I think. Um, but he was ex Exeter Chiefs, ex Plymouth Albion, ex Harlequins, I think, something like that. So I had Oz, his, he was a mate of mine. He wanted to get into personal training to transition from rugby into the health and fitness industry. So he was one of my first students with a guy called uh, James Bodley. And I'm not sure what James Bodley's up to nowadays. Maybe I should find out. But he, again, he also became a personal trainer and opened this gym, Kettlebell Training or Kettlebell something down Plymouth Way. So that was my first course. Performance personal training was up and running. 
I had approval from YMCA Awards. I had my first two students of Oz and James. So again, a massive class. Uh, and I taught them how to be personal trainers. And I loved it. You know, it was it was a good transition for me to start with those two lads because they're they a great couple of lads. Um, and and it was it was a good learning curve for me to help, you know, put my scheme of work and my resources and stuff into practice. And I'll be honest with you, the course I teach now and my tutors teach for me as well is completely different to how how it all started. You know, I was fresh out of getting my teaching qualification done. So I was all about icebreakers and schema works and resources and tasks and, and all this sort of stuff. You know, it was a completely different course to what it is now. But then again, that's the same with any business. It will transition into where you want it to be. So 2009, 2010 really is when it all kicked off for me with performance personal training, which is my training academy as it is now. That's how it started. Training Oz and James. I think at the latter part of that year, I had another course where I had five students or something like that. And then over the years, the next few years, I was putting on one, maybe two personal training courses a year um, with about a handful of students on each one. And um, trying to suss out how you market a training academy because marketing one thing about personal training which is really good so any of you listening to this who are looking to become a personal trainer um this is the one good thing about it when you do your job well and you do it right and you're professional and you're personable and you put your clients first and foremost you'll have a retainable business because those clients will want to come back and train with you week in week out um if you're not doing your job, if you don't care about their results, if you don't care about them, if you can't wait to get to your next client and get rid of that one just to earn your money, they won't stay with you. But if you do your job right, you've got that retainable business. I was still personal training when I started building this academy in from between about 2010 to like 2013, 14. And um, the reason for that is because running a company where you're selling courses, as I do now, you don't have retainable income. You, you train a student, you obviously you financially earn from that, but then they're off, they're doing their, putting their money into their own business. They might invest in you again and do a further course, a further qualification, but you get the money once and they're gone. So what I have now is a non-retainable business as such. Personal training is a retainable business. That's where you, you get your client and hopefully that's a client that you have week in, week out, year in, year out. I still have one client now. Sue Davy, bless her. I've trained her since 2003, I think. I'll probably do a little podcast about Sue at some point. Lovely lady, part of the family pretty much now. And uh, I still train her now when when our diaries line up. Um, but, you know, she she's, you know, she puts up with me not being around as much as I should be. Uh, and she puts up a lot. She's a really good client. And that's the clients that you want. You want these clients to really be there for you ongoing. And that's how you get that retainable business. So um, I was still personal training when I started this academy. And the reason for that is because I had clients. I wanted to keep training. I didn't like the fact that I just had to stop personal training. Um, and again, talking about working hard at your business, and I'm not saying look how hard I worked, blah, 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 and all that sort of stuff. But I would have days where I had to do a full day's worth of teaching. Um, and you know, my wife's a teacher and I see how hard teaching is. I mean, I'm teaching adults who want to be there, let alone teaching kids who don't always want to be there. So it's a bit different. But I would be in the gym at six in the morning to train my first client at six, second client at seven, third client at eight PT. Then at nine o'clock, 
I would stop, have some breakfast, have a coffee, get set up for my day's teaching, which would start at 9.30. Students would arrive, put myself into teacher mode, get up in front of a class, get my PowerPoints working and stuff like that, because we had PowerPoints back then. And then I would teach for the day, stop for lunch. Sometimes I'd have to squeeze a client in, a, in my lunch break because I felt bad if I, I, I could never say no to them. So I used to say, oh, okay, come in at one, I'll train you at one. We'd, we'd only be able to do a 40 minute session because I've got to get going again at two, blah, blah, blah. Teach for the afternoon, finish at five, students go home, off to do their work or whatever they got to be or chill and relax for the evening. And I would be straight back downstairs into the gym on the gym floor for my half five client, half six, half seven. So it, there was a transition period, which was hard work where I was trying to build this academy. I was trying to find new students so I could put on another course. I was trying to learn the ways of marketing and social media because now I couldn't just rely on getting some clients and then not worry about marketing or social media. Now I had to learn about Facebook, YouTube, all that sort of stuff. Uh, bear in mind, Facebook and YouTube wasn't even around when I was a personal trainer. You know, when I started off in 2002, there was no YouTube or Facebook. You know, we had to do our advertising by means of posters, word of mouth, advertising banners and stuff like this. Now it's great. As soon as you're, you're learning to be a personal trainer, you can start advertising by sharing your story on social media. Um, people love a story. If you're sharing your story about qualifying and, and becoming a personal trainer, by the time you're qualified, you've probably got a handful of clients ready to go because they've seen your story and they want to get involved with what you do. So there was a transition period where my personal training business and my academy was working alongside each other. And, um, it was, you know, it was quite intense. Um, you know, I got married in that transition period as well, had kids in that transition period as well. So you can imagine like, you know, it was, it was tough on me and my wife as well. And, you know, we had that moment where I'm trying to build a business, trying to build a, uh, trying to retain a business, trying to build a new business and trying to raise two little girls. So it was quite intense, but, out of that came what we have now. And in 2013, I think that's when I realized, right, if I want to make this academy work, I can't do this half-heartedly, half-assed. I got to like throw myself into this. And it was a sad moment when I had to say, you know, start training my clients, uh, stop, stop training my clients. Um, I left personal training fitness first. I went to work at James Buckingham's gym um who james buckingham is our nutrition expert he's the one who owns pfp in exeter which is an independent gym and i left fitness first and i took my clients or some of my clients with me to pfp uh sue came along steve came along Stephen Rowland, who's actually up for instructor of the year at the minute he also did his personal training course with us and he's gone on to do other courses as well um I left Fitness First. I went to PFP Exeter, which is a great setup for personal trainers. Pete Howard, one of our tutors, works at James Buckingham's gym, PFP. Um, and we're going to do um, a personal podcast with James Buckingham. We we're discussing this just now about um, his gym and what he offers uh, people who want to be personal trainers. So that'll be for another podcast. But my personal training business then obviously naturally fizzled out a little bit. So I probably still had a few clients between the years of two, 2013, 2016, 17. Uh, Sue was always there. Steve was there as well, bless him. Um, but it kind of slowly fizzled out and it allowed me to really then throw myself into this academy. Uh, in terms of branding, hang on a bit more coffee. In terms of branding, um, I realized, and this is where you got to get your brand right, one reason I wasn't consistently getting new potential students to do my qualifications was 
purely because um, my company was called Performance Personal Training. Uh, and my so my teaching company, my qualifications company, the academy we are now was called Performance Personal Training. So can you see where I went wrong there? Um, it wasn't the performance bit, but like when you when people come across your website or they see your name or your brand, they think I'm offering personal training. Um, rookie error there, right? So I rebranded. I love the word performance still. It's on the bottom of my surfboard, which is in my office. Uh, and it's uh, I'm now Performance Training Academy. I think there was a small time I was just performance training, but now I'm performance training academy. So get your brand right is key because I was losing students who were probably trying to find someone to do their personal training course with, but they all they found was performance personal training run by a guy called Ash, thinking, oh, he's just a personal trainer. Why would I go to him? So although all that advertising efforts and sometimes paid advertising didn't work well for me. So get your branding right to make sure it's clear. So we came performance training academy um i no longer personal train um and i probably spent the last five or six years getting to where we are now and you know i'm very blessed i'm very lucky i've got a lot of great uh, fitness professionals working with me with performance training academy james buckingham who i've mentioned who he's got his own business obviously he runs pfp precision fitness and performance which is a local independent gym in exeter great for people who want to train it's got lots of strongman equipment but it's also really good for personal training as well some of our previous students and our tutor pete howard works at uh, precision fitness and performance as well uh, really good option for you if you're looking to set up your business um, as a personal trainer and we'll explain why when we do a podcast on that um Pete Howard, Will Scudder, who teach our personal training course, are brilliant. Um, they 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 run their own personal training businesses now. So, you know, I still do a very small amount of teaching. My job really is to support our students through the course, uh, support them with the online content that we have. I'll discuss that in a minute. But it's the people, the Pete and Will, who stand up in front of our tu- uh, students in a gym environment and drop all their knowledge bombs and and show them a real insight into the industry and explain how they train their clients. That's where our students really get a good learning curve from. Um, so they're great. And then over the last five years, you know, we've developed, we don't just do personal training anymore as a qualification. So we do our level two certificate of fitness instructing, level three certificate of personal training. You need both to be a personal trainer. Um, I started working with a good colleague of mine, Mark Blackstone, who I met who was also a personal trainer at Fitness First, a lovely guy. And me and him, we developed our sports massage course. And we put that on in about, I think 2015 was probably about our first course we did. Um, Mark's a great sports massage uh, tutor. He's got his own sports massage business in the city of in the city of Exeter as well. And then Jane, Jane Clark come into it as well. And now Jane's teaching our sports massage. So they're amazing individuals who've got a lot to offer our students and then we got pilates and we had lucy tuller a really brilliant pilates instructor she taught our pilates course for us so we've been lucky to have these team of individuals around us current fitness professionals who are making my qualification that we do even better by bringing their own knowledge and their own expertise and their own professionalism into what we do so i'm blessed to have them and and again james buckingham brings his nutrition we've got new connections now with people like louise prattley who is talking about our anatomy and physiology and advancing that for our students louise is an osteopath if you've heard our recent podcast with louise 
Uh, we're developing a marketing and uh, and business course as well for our fitness professionals, which we have already, but we're just making it so much better. So we're going to re- repackage that whole thing and put that out there. Um, so I'm very blessed to have these people with me making Performance Training Academy what it is. And I guess it's been these last five years that I've really gone from being that one-man band as a training academy, teaching students how to be personal trainers, where I'm doing all the marketing, all the grunt work, all the teaching, all the planning, all the preparation, all your accounts, all of this sort of stuff. You know, you can only go so far as a one-man band. And and I think the last five years, one thing I've tried to do is make these connections with individuals who I trust and who are a great addition, not just for me, but for our students, um, and just bring more, more energy and a better product to what I have here at Performance Training Academy. So I'm lucky to have these people around us, and, and they bring so much to this company, and I'm very grateful for that. Um, and the last five years, that's what we've done. You know, we've gone from, we've made a few transitions again. Again, this is where your business that you put together, a personal training business, whatever it may be, will always evolve. You know, we, I kept losing students, potential students, people who wanted to do my course, but let's be fair. And again, this is how my course, personal training course, especially is different now than when it was even 10 years ago, even five years ago. Five years ago, our personal training course was a a 19-day course. We would do, I think we would do like a Thursday, Friday, Saturday for pretty much six weeks or something like that in a row with a break in between. So it'd be like three weeks on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, a few weeks off, and then another Thursday, Friday, Saturday, three weeks in a row, something like that. You can see how people would have trouble committing to that. Um. And it was, to be fair, though, it was a great way to teach. I used to love it. We used to do the theory in the morning. We would, I would have the skeleton if we're teaching anatomy physiology. I'll have my really cool little PowerPoints that I designed up on the wall, uh, whether this was teaching at Fitness First or teaching at PFP. Um, I, I would love it. Teaching the theory to students was brilliant. You have them stood up in front of four people, two people, or 10 people. We did theory in the morning anatomy physiology or nutrition or programming or building your business and then the afternoon that would be our practical session and that's where we might do kettlebells in the afternoon or advanced training methods of an afternoon or trx but then obviously that's a lot of days to commit to for anybody especially if you're trying to fit in a qualification that you want to get as a personal trainer so you can work as a personal trainer but you might already have your own career you might have kids you might have family commitments it was tough for people to commit to 18, 19 days to do a personal training course, especially when it's fairly condensed. Um, so I was losing out a lot of potential students who wanted to do our course. They'd heard good things about what we do, but they went to do another course because it was uh, blended learning, half online, half practical, or sometimes, and there's still quite a lot of these, fully online courses. And, you know, it, it pissed me off a little bit because I was thinking, I've got such a good course here. I put all this time into it, all this energy into it. And yet they'd rather go do this one, which is like a glorified PowerPoint online, just just for ease. But then don't get me wrong. I get that. Um, when I do a course, I want to do a course that fits in with my lifestyle and gives me the best possible scenario to get qualified. Not always in the quickest time scale, but in the way that sits in with my lifestyle. If I can do a couple hours of study at night, I'll be way up for that. 
if I had to go away and travel to go to a course most weekends, I'm thinking, well, I've got kids. Do I want to be away from my kids and my wife for like two, three weekends in a row? So all these factors started ending up. Um, and I was losing out and my business was probably suffering a little bit because of it. So uh, as fate lines up sometimes, um, I got put in contact with a company that was developing um, an online product for personal training, for the personal training course, for the level two and level three personal training course. And I got excited. And, you know, and the guys that have done this course, they're lovely guys. I, I went over to Dublin to meet them. A guy called Ant, uh, a brilliant guy, same sort of background as me, um, personal trainer by trade. Um, and I think one of his clients said like, you know, and he got, and he started building his own training provider. So we had this synergy where, He'd gone from personal training to develop his own company, which provides the qualifications for this. And he'd gone through the same hard work, the same hard setup, the same everything that I had. So we had this connection and he was the man who was working with another company, putting this online content together. And it was good. Don't get me wrong. There, It was very visual. Um and they were creating this amazing product and they wanted me on board with that as well. Hang on, there we go. And they wanted me on board with that as well so that I could start using it for my courses so I could make my course into a blended learning course. So um, I started working with this company and all of a sudden I didn't have to do, oh God, people won't get the idea. And then I could do my own thing where I wouldn't have to do 19 days of um, teaching. I could do blended learning. So it in about, I think it's about 2017, my whole course structure changed. Um, all of a sudden, I could do blended learning. I was buying in this product, which would allow me to do the theory online, which I was getting from this company that Ant was running. Um, and it was amazing. All of a sudden, I could start reaching more individuals and people could start committing to my course. So the hard work began again. I had to rewrite my whole course. I had to restructure my whole course. No longer did I need to be in the gym for 19 days and do theory in the morning, practical afternoon. I, I could now allow our students to do all the theory from home. Um, and I did have some hangups about that, which I'll talk about in a second. But now all I could, all I needed to focus on was the practical side. So my 19 day course dropped down to nine days because I could get the, the learners learning at home. The negative to this, I've done online courses before and I've signed up to an online course and it's all very motivated at the beginning. But then if you hear nothing from that person you're doing the course with, if there's no follow-up on your progress, what what does it mean if you're going to finish your course or not? It's very easy to forget about that online course. So I had to try to make sure, and, and I, I think we're only just getting this now because of manpower and the ability to be able to accommodate this. I had to make sure that all our students were supported. It wasn't just a case of logging online and get it done on your own accord, best of luck. I had to make sure that we were following up with students progress making sure they were getting it done making sure if they had any questions they could ask them because this is a big thing 
teaching in front of a class is brilliant because you get the Q&A. But when you're learning online, if you have a question, if there's no one to ask a question to, you're not really learning. So I've had to make sure that our online content is supported every step of the way. And that is my role now, which I'll go back to in a second. So that's where our course has now changed. So we now offer online courses. And the last three years, as much as I loved working with Ant and his company and using their online product, um, it, was, it, was, it was kind of out of my budget. I was, you know, we, we had to pay a lot for the online content that our students did. Um, and all of a sudden, I didn't have the budget to keep doing that again and again to buy another stack of online courses. So, and this is nearing the end of this podcast now, so don't worry. Um, this is how I've taken my final transition. I'm sure there's going to be another transition to this company, but a couple of years ago, uh, 2019 it was, I think, I started building and producing and setting up my own online content. And that's where we're at now. So all of our courses now have our own online content, which has been filmed by me. So we get the gist now that I'm talking to the students yet again. When we were first a blended learning company and I was working um, and I was buying this content in, it was very much like, it was a bit like a PowerPoint online. It was done a bit better than that. Um, but that's what it was. There was no tutor to student. Okay. It was a bit, um, it was a bit corporate in some ways. But now what I've managed to do is every unit for our personal training course, for a sports massage course, for Pilates course, we can teach every single unit to a camera talking to the student, just like I'm talking to you now, uh, where we can relate it to the industry. And that's the key thing. No matter what course you're doing, it has to be relatable to the industry that you're going to go into. Otherwise, it's a bit pointless. So the last couple of years has been the it's been, again, a lot of hard work. And again, this isn't about, oh, look how much hard work I put in on all this sort of stuff. It's more about if you really work hard at something, it, that's where your passion comes into it. You know, hopefully those who have done our online course can see that myself and my tutors have got a passion about making our course as best as it possibly can be to set up our students as best as possible for this fitness industry. That's, that's our only goal. Our ethos is to raise the standards of this fitness industry by bringing clarity to information, by bringing over and above what the syllabus dictates. For example, the syllabus for personal training is good, but it's limited. I know this. My tutors know this. So by putting together our own online content, we've been able to make sure that we're not just teaching you a syllabus level standard and just letting you go off in the industry. Everything we teach you it's over and above what you're supposed to know. And that that's because it's not because we know everything because trust us, you know, we don't, no one knows everything. We're all every day's a school day for everyone, but we, I've had my own personal training business. I had a personal training business for what? 10, just over 10 years. The tutors I use now, they've got their own businesses, whether it's personal training or sports massage, and they've had that for years. So they've taken what they've learned and they've adapted it for their industry and they've learned along the way, just like I did. So that's why with our online content that we've put together that I've done over the last couple of years, 
I've tried to make it extensive as possible. Um, and that's to allow you to learn to the best of your ability, to set you up for the industry as best as, as we possibly can set you up. But then also, importantly, to have the online content there for you. So when you are working in the industry, when you are working with clients, you can refer back. You can refer back to your online content and you can use it again. So, for example, back in the days where we're teaching all of this in a classroom, we might be talking about protein and how you work out a client's protein intake and what they should be having and where they should be getting that protein from. Teaching that in class, students will make their notes, which is great. But then, obviously, um, it's only there in a notebook. And it can't refer back to that lesson where I was teaching to our students about the roles and the importance of protein. With the online content now, and this is where it really comes full circle and really comes to play to make our company, I think, as good as it can be. If you start working with a new client, even six months to a year after you qualified, and you just want to recap a little bit about how you work out a client's protein intake, what they should be getting, where they should be getting that protein from, etc., you can refer back to our video and it's all there for you. So you can relive the lessons again and again. That's been the final transition to where we are now in 2020 to make our courses as good as we possibly can. Um, there's more transitions coming up. We're, we're working with um, other people, other fitness professionals to add again, more value, more courses. We're always trying to push what we have to make it as good as it possibly can. And obviously, you know, not just with courses, it's, it's about trying to give as much content, free value uh, to, to everyone, not just people who want to be personal trainers or sports massage therapists, but also those individuals who simply want to learn about nutrition, health, training, people who never want to be a personal trainer, but they just want to train better, move better. So we're the, the final transition, I guess, and I'm sure there's going to be more, but the, the main transition we're going through now is just putting as much content together as possible. These, this podcast series is a, is a good example of that. You know, working with professionals like, um, like James Buckingham, like Pete Howard, and we're going to get Will Scudder on, and we've got more professionals lined up who are going to give their stories and their insights. And hopefully those who have listened to our podcast, and we've had some great feedback from it. I'm not saying our podcasts are amazing, but I know this because I know how much hard work and effort and uh, energy that the guys I'm working with put into educating themselves further. This is all coming across in our podcasts, our YouTube videos. And, you, you know, you guys can get, get into that and listen to that. And, and the feedback we're getting has been really good. Uh, and that's why I'm so grateful to have these people around me. So I hope I haven't waffled on too much. Um, I thought I'd be doing a 30 minute podcast here and what we are now we're into like well, well over an hour. So the idea with this one was to just give an insight into how performance training Academy came to be, um, to give you an idea about, you know, that we're not just teaching from manuals and from, uh, schema works and syllabuses. We're teaching from experience to really give our students as best a possible service as we can, to give you as best possible knowledge as we can, um, to really make it, because um, again, that's what we're trying to do. The health and fitness industry, I've got so much passion for it. The guys around me have got so much passion for it. We just want to make the guys coming into it to have that same passion and the, and, and the early stages of having as much knowledge as they possibly can, take as much knowledge into it and then carry on learning. 
That's why we're developing more courses, nutrition courses, advanced anatomy courses, because learning the qualification is one thing. Learning as you go and learning further is as equally as important. I'm always learning. Every time I come to do a podcast with James Buckingham, our next one's going to be on gut health. I'm studying gut health and I, I, I'm recapping, but I'm learning again because I'm, I'm re- reminding myself of things I learned before or learning new things as I study again. So the message, I guess, take away from this, you know, like I've done, work hard at anything you want to do. If you want to become a fitness professional, personal trainer, sports massage therapist, whatever, study, get the best possible study you can get, work hard at it, and then build the best possible business and just put your time, effort, and energy into it. And don't stop till you get to where you want to be and have a clear plan of where you want to be as well. Plan everything, write stuff down all the time. Um, I think that's it really, isn't it? So that's my story. So started off not knowing what I want to do. Now I have a business which I'm happy with, but I can see the ability to take it so much further than where we are now. And that's what I'm trying to do with Performance Training Academy. I've got so much more effort and energy I want to put into this. I'm always doing stuff on the business, behind the scenes, stuff that people don't realize, just to give you guys as best a possible um, experience in your learning as we can. And for those who don't want to get qualified as anything, who just want to learn about training or nutrition or health or the body, to give you guys as much knowledge and great content as we possibly can deliver. So that's what we're about. That's my story for now. I'm sure I've left out bits that I wanted to include today, but, you know, maybe I'll do another one. I, I can't think what I have missed out. I've been talking for a long enough time. So um, so our next podcast will be about um, gut health, and we'll have James Buckingham back for that one. Um, that'll be podcast number 10, so we'll be hitting double figures. Um, and again, just to finish off our story, and I suppose the exciting part about all this is um, you, you never know who follows you, who's watching, who's listening. Um, it turns out this week um, we, we've been nominated for Training Provider of the Year by FitPro Awards, which is completely out of the blue, so much so when uh, a good friend of mine told me that we've been nominated or on the shortlist, so what that means is there's 10 training providers. Um, the top five training providers after the vote go through to the awards themselves. Um, and, you know, we're up against really big training providers, national, international training providers. There's 10 on the list. I think six of them are massive. The other three, like myself, to make up the top 10 are small independent ones. Uh, I haven't got a clue what our chance is, but we shall find out. Um, but it's just really lovely to find out that you've been nominated because you do all this hard work. And, and this goes to all of you guys, anyone trying to build your business, put the hard work in. Just remember, it's not all about likes uh, and stuff like that as well, because people do watch, to, people do listen, to people do take in what you're putting out there. So long as you're putting out out consistently, there's a little bit of method to what you're putting out there. Um, people are watching. And so much so was I surprised by this whole situation that I, I actually had to get in contact with FitPro Awards to make sure they had the right performance training academy because I'm thinking, what, really, we've been nominated? Us? Little old us? But honestly, uh, I, I'm so grateful for the fact that you know we've been nominated uh, I'm massively excited about the fact that you can now vote for us. Um, I'll put a link with this uh, blog in the description. 
Uh, I think it's fitproawardsuk.com or something like that that you can go to um, to nominate us. It's all on our social media at the minute. If you're listening to this and you do want to vote, we'd really, really appreciate it. Um, yeah, it's fitproawardsuk.com. So um, if you've got a minute, go to fitproawards.com, fitproawardsuk.com. Um, click on the voting section and then scroll the way down. As you're scrolling down, you'll come up to one category called Male Instructor of the Year. If you just pop into that one and just click on Stephen Rowland, that'd be great. Stephen's one of the guys I used to, uh, I used to train as a client, lovely guy. He did our personal training course. He's gone on to do group indoor cycling, body pump, and all sorts of other qualifications. He's got a brilliant following as an instructor. People really, uh, they love Steve. He's got lots of knowledge to give. Um, I'll do a, a, a session with Steve as well because he's got a really great story. Um, but vote for him and then carry on scrolling down to the bottom of the voting categories. You'll see training provider of the year. If you can give little old performance training academy uh, a vote, that would be most appreciated. I, I cannot see us getting anywhere near the top five, but if we do, honestly, it will, it will mean a lot. So that's where we are. So start off as a little humble personal trainer. Uh, I'm I'm not a success. I'm not saying, look, we've made it because I'm always working on this business and I still feel like we're nowhere near where I want to be. I can see great things for Performance Training Academy. I love what it is. I love who we've got working with us. Uh, I love the students we have on board as well and, and helping them along their, their way. My role now is really to support them through the online content answer the questions they have and then my my tutors are the ones that really deliver the cool practical stuff uh, i i just sit at my desk doing work nowadays but i love what it is and very grateful for what it is and the people around me and i'm going to shut up now um i'll let you go enjoy your day but thanks for listening um there there's more obviously to to what we are than just this little hour or so podcast so do have a look at our content have a look at some of the podcasts we put out there um, subscribe to our channels if you can. If you've been listening to our podcast and you like what we do, please do give us a little rating. Um, it's great to have us and it will just help more people see what we're doing as well. Um, and then, yeah, that's us. So thanks for listening. That's my story. I never knew I could chat on my own for an hour plus, but there we go. That's me. Right. Anyway, thanks for listening. And we'll be back again very soon with James Buckingham for our next podcast. Thanks for listening to today's episode from the Performance Training Academy podcast series. For more content about stuff that we offer, courses, articles, videos, resources, please head over to www.performancetrainingacademy.com. And we'd really appreciate it if you can subscribe to our podcast channel so that you're never going to miss a, a future episode. And please do give us that rating so more people can hear about what we're offering. Thanks very much.